0: Today is May 27th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestukom Aki, or Dekots nagotene Siku. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet. And north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chinooki, and Bears Claw Nations of the Stoney, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honouring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. I would even say colonizer instead of guest. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of your ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Calgary or Canada, a refugee, and other land displacement. so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's names, won't tell your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen, stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101. Because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. This is why settlers, and those that call themselves native Calgarians, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so we've been referred to as the land of the Hare people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klinchotinne Indahay and in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis, says Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yolonize Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian imposed status card. (laughs) It is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples inherent rights. Indigenous two-spirit or the Indigenous uh, two LGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are on the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run after joining harmful uh, colonial parties, spent money to be at those expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote in incomplete policies that allow incarceration, a denial of justice, denial of healthcare services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of indigenous and black peoples. I have worked to continue to do reports to advocate for an attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. <sighs> so with that, I want to say I honor, oh, I hope you see your role in reconciliation. I hope you see your role in stopping harm as a citizen. And I just want to really honor those folks that are still being affected by drug policies, imposed Christian-based drug abstinence programming, private health care, justice systems built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs that continue genocide on indigenous peoples. I honor Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Um, Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I go and I walk through on <laughs> my Red Road journey. I've been accused of not being kind while surviving genocide. Yet I have given free book clubs, podcasts, teachings, and info on my social media for years. And I have so, as many others have, at this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps on whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest pod, uh, podcasts and film posts on social media. And with that, I am so excited to have Latoya on my show. Would you like to introduce yourself in your way?
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Latoya, and today I'm entering this space as a community organizer.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So you and I um, met because you are going to be creating an event, and I would love for you to explain a little more about um, who you are, where you come from, and the event that you're you're organizing.
1: Yes, so <laughs> I'm Latoya, Hoya, and I grew up in both Kenmore and Airdrie, more more so in Airdrie. Um a lot know growing up in Airgy was definitely an interesting experience, I'd say, only because being one of the few racialized people in the secondary schools that I was in. Um, had its moments, you know, there's a lot of micro and macro aggressions I experienced while growing up here. Um, But because I was embedded in in, you know, white, predominantly white neighborhoods, a lot of the time when I was experiencing especially, I didn't even realize what I was experiencing when people would be like, oh, you're not like others or like you're you're different from them and all these these very problematic sentences. I in the moment I didn't understand what they were actually saying sure. um and it's actually really problematic because I remember in those moments I'd be like oh yeah I'm different like I kind of like being different right.
0: right I know that feeling exactly I know what it's being you know growing up in a. Uh, I I grew up in Sylvan Lake So I know exactly what it's like to be in a small town that's predominantly white and being told those exact things. Well, you're not like the other ones. And then me being all like self-confident, like, yeah, I'm not. And that kind of gives you that white supremacist, like, I am better than the rest of them.
1: And then in your mind, you're like, at the time I didn't have this word, but in the mind, you're like, oh, it's okay to be a token. You know, like, this is good. Yeah. It's not. Right? um, and so it was over the years it actually really wasn't over the years it was just when I went to Ryerson or formerly known as Ryerson now known as Toronto metropolitan uh, University um, where I learned what my blackness means what like what my identity really really means and I'm really really ex- grateful for that experience because I don't know where I'd be at without uh, that post-secondary education but it, I, I don't I don't really um, I wouldn't give the institution the credit. It was more like the people that I met while I was in Toronto, the programs that I was a part of and the student unions that I, I was a part of as well. That helped me really embrace my Blackness and understand what it means to be Black in mm-hmm. Western society.
0: Ah, hallelujah. Jeez, man, you just articulated so many commonalities that I have experienced as well. So, and, and you know, I'm 45. And it took me this long to get here. So I'm really happy when I see you like blown away talking this way so much sooner. I couldn't be a prouder auntie, let me tell you. So I'm really proud uh, that we connected the way we did. I can't believe you reached out to me. Do you want to tell us a bit about the event that you're focused on?
1: Yes. So on June 30th, we are celebrating BIPOC Canadians. (laughs) Um, It's called Identifying Canadian slogan, uh, Canada Day through the eyes of BIPOC. And basically, we are going to be breaking down the different factors and areas of what it means to be a BIPOC Canadian and what that experience is like and all of the problematic BS that comes along with it.
0: (laughs) Right? holy there's so much and now because of the um 215 graves that they uh, rediscovered you know it, it it was really hard for me last canada day to have that conversation with people that didn't understand but then on the flip side a lot of canadians like finally had that aha moment like oh shit we didn't yeah. know and it's like okay that shows me you never read the trc so I'll overlook this gaslighting moment brought to you by your ignorance um, and move move on and think, okay this is the time now we are going to make some substantial changes and now we're coming up to the year anniversary And really what changes have we seen?
1: Exactly and I'm like we're still waiting for those changes. <laughs>
0: So when you talk about, okay, what does Canada Day look like for me? It's like, now I've had a full year of your bullshit gaslighting, right? From Canadian media, uh, society, and and that. So, uh, you know, and obviously I want to say it in a good way um, when when we're doing the uh, event itself. So, you know, just trying to explain what it's like to be Indigenous and hearing people say, I am a proud Canadian and have these proud Canadian moments. And it's like, off the backs of my people, you know, Um, are you you sure you're proud Canadian, but then of course, your experiences is different than mine. And I was sharing with you that my Austrian stepmom, who was born in Vienna, but was raised here in Calgary, you know, she suffers what I hear so many first generation Canadians say, where they're not really Austrian, they're not really, or whatever your home country is, but they're not really Canadian, because we don't really know what Canadian identity even is, unless you look at a colonized British construct. And then even then, like you look at the British, because this is the 75th um, year of Queen Elizabeth II. And, you know, I'm reading through it and I, I was reading through some of the magazines of like Hello Magazine and that, and just kind of chuckling to myself, thinking, you know, really in the British eyes, we're still just their colony. And to a lot of Canadians, they don't respect the, the Queen. So it's like, what is Canadian identity anyway?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No exactly exactly and like from my experience like i am a first generation canadian i'm my yeah i'm a first generation canadian and um but my parents are jamaican and the most frustrating thing for me is when someone asks me okay like where are you from and i say like i'm canadian and they're like well where are you from from and i'm like born and raised in Alberta like what do you want from me um it's just really frustrating because it's not that I I don't embrace the Caribbean my Caribbean roots it's just that when if I were to go to Jamaica today like they smell the Canadian off of me and like there's no sense of belonging there at all like I grew up in Canada and this is what I consider where I consider my home so it's just like when someone when I tell people I'm Canadian I just really need them to respect that you
0: know (laughs) I know and then and then from my point of view like I always want people to kind of explain who they are so that that way I know who I'm talking to right because the last thing I want to do is tell a refugee go back to your fucking home when they have no home to go to right and I understand like we weren't really meant to keep the land the way colonizers do It, it is meant to be shared that's what treaty intended and I wouldn't I would never want to kick somebody out. And I'm not that person that would be like, "Get the fuck out of here," unless they are blatantly racist. And then it's like, "Don't you have a home country to go to?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that bigger picture is that I want to know people's displacement stories and understand where they're coming from because, like, I'm in solidarity with Palestine. Solidarity, hundred percent. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we need to erase the Jewish population. The opposite, and and that's the problem with colonizers' mentality is that. So to some Canadians, they're like, "Well, what do they want us to do? Go back to our homes?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, if you're a dick, but if you're not a dick, then just share the land, resources, and wealth with us." Like it, it's such a simple concept. And same with Palestine. Like you know, the Palestinians are perfectly okay with Jewish people being there as long as you're equal. But under the colonizers' um, settlement programs, we're not equal, right? Like there very clearly is a power dynamic there. So that uh, I'm against that. It's so simple. I don't know why <laughs> people try to make it so complicated in that that respect. So, you know, to me, um, when I hear people know, where are you really from? I know what they're doing. They're being that racist, that identity that they get to say, no, this is my land. And that's why you don't get a lot of white community doing um, land acknowledgements and talking about you know their story of of how many generations they've been here etc cetera, etc cetera, right um and and worse they like feel so entitled <laughs> yeah just the so way the British
1: taught them and you know what too when I was when I attended Ryerson that was my first time hearing a land acknowledgement and I was so disappointed I was like where was this all my life <laughs> like <laughs> right. what the Heck, like <laughs> I just switch provinces that's the only difference like why am I hearing land acknowledgements here and not in Alberta yeah. however I know now they're more common yeah but when I was especially in Airdrie I didn't know anything about a land acknowledgement
0: so I I do actually a, a land acknowledgement teaching for that reason so I'll give you an example it was like there was a a national um political students group that they go all across the country, but they came to Calgary, and they were talking um, and on a you know Sunday afternoon when most people had left, they finally had a native come on finally. I was an invited guest. So I did a land acknowledgement. I and mean, literally, it was it was really common in BC at that time, so they were like, finally, we hear a land acknowledgement, right? And I talked about indigenous rights and sovereignty issues, et cetera. And um, it was from there I'm like I gotta start doing a land acknowledgement teaching because it's literally Indigenous 101 and I know you know we are not taught it in, in schools in any capacity, so um, so I, I have a, a land acknowledgement teaching that I have on a NativeCalgarian.com but for you or for Indigenous people it would be free because um, you know I'm not gonna make marginalized people pay for it Uh, but all of these like corporate offices that have money and claim to be doing anti-racism work and claim to be learning about Indigenous issues they're not hiring me because I'm the first person to say y'all racist and they don't want that they want to feel really good about them having brought in a Native and even paying her to come and talk to them and it's like this is patronizing head padding. You're not really here for anti-racism work. You're here to be like checkbox.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, offers out there. Anytime you need, you and a few friends want to get together, I'll, uh, I'll do the land acknowledgement teaching for you, so that you 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 know, because this is your home, right? right. Um, our ancestors when we created a treaty, it was to share, right? And uh, I know you have not been shared with equally. I know that, so, <laughs> but my people will. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank you. So, yeah, so so thank you for coming on the show and talking about these issues. Is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: I just wanna say that um, this event that will be happening on June 30th is definitely going to be a space of healing For all those racialized humans that will be joining us, and hopefully also a space of education for the non racialized individuals at the end of the day, we are just sharing our experiences and we really just need to like eliminate racial biases, (laughs) you know? So, you know, attending events like this will really help people to do that while also empower racialized people to speak up when they're in, you know, racial related um, conflicts in whatever spaces they're in.
0: Well, it sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, how do we get in touch with it? Like, how do we watch it? Obviously, I'm going to be sharing the crap out of it on my social medias, etc. But is there another place that we should plug right now?
1: Okay, so yes. Okay, technically, the Instagram page has not been created yet. But it's going to be at BIPOC Canada Day.
0: (laughs) Perfect. At
1: BIPOC Canada Day,
0: yeah. (laughs) Perfect. And and I will repost it on my second Instagram uh, account because my first one got hacked. So when I get my second, when I get the uh, post up, we'll, we'll reshare it online so that that way people will know the link to you as well. And uh, for sure we'll be, I'll, I can't wait. I'm super excited. I'm confirmed. So I'm quite happy.
1: We also want to start the conversation early so you'll see on the page that we'll be asking people questions so definitely engage with the conversation. um, Because this this I want it to be a movement, you know, like this yeah there's the one event that's happening, but I want it to have larger impacts, you know, so hopefully we can all come together and empower one another and really discuss, you know,
0: yeah. I want um, all BIPOC to know, like, especially our youth, know I see them and I know their struggles that they're going through because I live them. And, um, you know, they're living in a different generation where they have access to media like 24 seven so the messages are still harmful only now it's 24 seven at least I had breaks by not having 24 news cycles or, or internet or, su- or such at that time so you know mm-hmm. I just want uh, BIPOC youth to know I see you and I respect your struggle and reach out and here are the resources because we are here in this together we are
1: here <laughs> if you see me on the street talk to me I will I will engage with the conversation <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right we are on. Here
1: to support for real
0: <laughs> exactly exactly so as this evolves obviously watch native calgarian we'll be promoting it and then also uh, you're welcome on the show anytime latoya to talk about these issues or more whatever new um things that ha- are popping up in your life whether a year from now or whichever so thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your event and thank you so much for coming on uh, native calgarian i really appreciate it
1: Thank you. I appreciate this. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. So I'm just going to do a little more info about uh, what we're working on here, folks. So again, you've been hearing me talk about my Indigenous Book Club. So we're one of the longest running, if not the longest running in Canada. And this is open to anyone in North America. Um, We just are going to have Indian in the Cabinet by Jody Wilson Rainbow on June 30th or 13th. Sorry. July 11th, National Inquiry Chapters 3 and 4. August 8th, Unreconciled by Jesse Wente, uh, and who is a guest on Native Calgarian for anyone who wants to go back into our archives. September 12th, we have the National Inquiry 5 and 6. On October 10th, uh, Clarence Louie, he's going to be on too. So Jesse's going to be on. Clarence is going to be on. Jody, maybe. I hope, I'm hoping. Um, And then we're going to have Bruce McIver do standoff on december 12th with the national inquiry on the on in november on the seventh and chapter seven and eight so and if you're in the calgary area and want to actually do action when it comes to reconciliation we have the reconciliation action group uh you're welcome to join it and work on the initiatives and team up with folks that are like-minded like you so please contact native calgarian if you're having problems finding any of these resources I um, also want to always do a plug for Naomi Sayers out in the Sioux, out in Ontario, because I know some of my listeners are from there. I also want to plug for Marilyn Northpagan here in Calgary Klein, and Jody Wilson or sorry, Jody uh, St- Stonehouse up in Edmonton, who's running in uh, Richard Feehan's former uh, constituency. So r- support Indigenous women running. We are one in a million, and your parties are so goddamn lucky that we'd even consider being a part of them. So I'm proud that this podcast has even has given solutions, cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 to speak. Thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca, uh, they put out a great piece about what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools, I've said over 100 times in this podcast, so support that work as part of your reconciliation and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Um, internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence we experience daily. Uh, you can go to racial tools.org. What is internalized racism by Donna Bevins for more understanding for that. So if you are a marginalized person, basically we have been taught to hate ourselves and I don't want that for any of us and it's not acceptable. And these are the type of um, resources that you need to really challenge that thinking and know you are, Amazing. And one in a million uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So that's AFSC.org. And that's the type of thing you would do if you've seen somebody being targeted on the C train um, racially. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honour our words, honour the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms if they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action, the recommendations of the World Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, justice, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is truth before truth, how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. If you literally google non-Indigenous Canadians, allies to Indigenous people, you will find multiple resources at this point. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit um, Hope for Wellness helpline at 855 4242 3310 It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they also have a website, hopeforwellness.ca, that has a text box. If more related to Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls in Two-Spirit, call 844-413-6649. It is open to anybody who needs to talk about that issue as well. For non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area with a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566. Uh, 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta, you can find it at a.CA and the if you're in Alberta, you can actually text ACT TO END RACISM at 85, or sorry, 587-507-3838 and they'll actually prompt you on how to report that racism that you've experienced. The following are um, two LGBTQ plus resource um, crisis supports through the Trevor Project um, and lifevoice.ca. So you can call the Trans Lifeline at 877-330-6366 and for our youth 866-844-7386. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care and how I take my power back. That's why I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people Don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, even though they may know nothing about Indigenous people, colonialism, the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigil and our rights. I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it is unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma informed. Folks like me are also dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping and I encourage people to learn more about that. I gave that resource for a reason. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disability, QTBIPOC, and others. Masi Cho to my ancestors. To my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example, I wanna thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her I'm a second-generation proud Calgarian, but again, if you call yourself a native Calgarian, I know you know nothing about natives. Thank you, Darcy, for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and uh, my support down the red road, he has witnessed the decades of racism and sexism I've had to endure. To our child, who we are blessed to learn from every day, we are honoured you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. Hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you, Masi. For those who cannot afford to give, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin who came down said, or you'd be in my dish. Thanks for listening.